This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Next to dry fly fishing, I've grown rather fond of slinging streamers. Maybe that's because it reminds me of the days when I was a kid and I threw met spinners at trout using an ultralight rod and reel. But there's something exhilarating about retrieving your streamer and filling a big tug and then the battle begins. So today we're going to talk about fly fishing with streamers and our guest is a good friend of ours from Bozeman, Montana. His name is Dave Cumlean and he's been a fly fishing guide for about 40 years. Uh, shop owner, fly shop owner, and he currently works for Trout Unlimited. And we fished recently with Dave and noticed again how skilled he is at fishing streamers. So today we're going to pick his brain a bit. Uh, Dave, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you. I've uh, been looking forward to this. Hey, what's the weather like today in Bozeman? Uh, we had some snow last night, so it's typical fall weather. Yeah. If you don't like the weather, every five minutes. So it snowed last night, and it's it's uh, probably in the 40s right now. It's clearing off, so all the mountains around the valley are snow-covered, and you get snow-covered mountains in a blue sky. You guys know what it looks like. It's spectacular. Yeah, that's just gorgeous. Yeah, for sure. So before we talk about streamers, tell us about your journey as a fly fisher. How did you get to Bozeman? How did you get involved in fly fishing, both as a hobby but then really as a vocation? As a kid, my, my family... Uh, Grandma and Grandpa built a cabin in northern Wisconsin on a lake. So I grew up from the very first summer of my life going to that cabin and fishing for all kinds of warm water fish. Then in junior high school, my dad kind of introduced me to stream fishing for trout, which I thought was pretty cool. I, I didn't really do a lot of it, but I got to go along on a couple of trips that he was involved in in Wisconsin, um, kind of the driftless area. And then when I got to college in St. Paul, Minnesota, I, still, I have always loved to fish, and so I was going to school in St. Paul, but still a Wisconsin resident. So when I fished, I'd go across the border around River Falls, oh, yeah. and I would yeah, fish yeah. the Kinnikinnick River, and the Willow, and the Rush, and some rivers uh, over there, and kind of got into more into fly fishing, and I would occasionally go up to the Brule on the North Shore if I had time. And then after I graduated from college, I moved west. I came to Bozeman in... 73 and of course i came out here because i'd been out here in a college uh, visit and loved the place so i moved out and then i started fishing here around bozeman and then my journey into the guiding world started when i went to work for an outdoor sporting goods store here in bozeman at the time called beaver pond sports specialist and they had a fishing department and a fly fishing department and a i guess the word would be a nascent uh, guide service. So I started as a guide and didn't really know a lot about what I was doing, actually. But to, to be honest, back then the competition wasn't anything like it is now. So I sort of got to learn as I went and spent a lot of time on the oars and learning all that stuff. And then in uh, 1978, uh, my wife and I opened up a fly fishing specialty shop in Bozeman, which at the time was called Wild Wings Orvis Shop. It had an Orvis shop with a Wild Wings Sporting Art Gallery, and then the rest of the story is we moved it. We moved it to a new location in Bozeman, called it Montana Trout Fitters, which we ran for 20 years. So uh, during that time, of course, did a lot of outfitting, guiding, 
tons of fishing, and we sold that in 1998. It's a good shop. And, we uh, still like to yeah. stop by there. Yeah, it's a great shop. And then how did you get yeah, involved? You're, you're with Trout Unlimited now, right? Yeah, so I was a, I joined Trout Unlimited when I was, I think, 27 years old, and kind of an interesting story. I, I met my wife at a Trout Unlimited banquet. Her dad was on a local Madison Gallon TU board. I worked uh, in, the, in the fishing shop across the parking lot from the bank where my wife worked, and she's a beautiful woman. I saw her, wanted to get to know her, and and we met at a Trout Unlimited banquet, and we were married, met in the spring of 77, and we were married in November of 77. Nice. <laughs> nice. You knew what you wanted, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. And what's your role now with TU, Dave? So I worked for uh, Charter Limited beginning in, gosh, when was it? I would say beginning about 2000 or thereabouts. I worked okay. for TU uh, on aquatic invasive species. I had been a board member and a, and a volunteer and then an employee after I sold the shop for Whirling Disease Foundation to work on that uh, disease of trout and salmon that has caused some problems here in Montana. And we, we moved all that into uh, Trout Unlimited under an aquatic invasive species program. I did that until about 2013 or so, I think, or 12. Okay. And then TU started up a program called the Veteran Service Partnership, which is a volunteer operations uh, program within TU to, to get our chapters and members to be engaged with our nation's military family and get them involved in Charter Limited and in support of our mission. And and uh, everybody in TU recognized the therapeutic value of going fly fishing, so we thought it'd be good for vets and vets with disabilities. So I am now the national coordinator for TU's Veterans Service Partnership, so I work with our 200-plus chapters that have veterans programs to help them their programs, find new partners, and I lead a couple of national events. I think just before you guys were out here, I was on a couple of them with uh, veteran couples up at Slough Creek in the park for a week, and then a week of um, tragedy assistance program for survivors, TAPS, have a men's retreat in Montana. So that's what I do now for TU is I work on Charter Limited Veteran Service Partnership, VSP, programs. Wow, that's fantastic. Oh, that's really great. So, Dave, when we think about streamer fishing, uh, what are we imitating with a streamer pattern? Well, that's a good question. I think the default for a lot of people is if you're fishing streamers, you're fishing flies that imitate other fish, right? And, and that's the most common thing I think that streamers Mm-hmm. represent so you have bait fish and you know trout eat themselves so trout eat other trout they eat bait fish around here as you guys know the sculpin is probably at the top of that uh, kind of bait fish list for brown trout so flies that imitate other fish are typically what what streamers are thought to imitate but you have other things that are fished as streamers that are not other fish so one of the big ones would be crustaceans and the biggest one there is crayfish as you well know, that's a real popular yeah. pattern fished around here. That's kind of a standby on the lower Madison. Though a lot of these rivers that have crayfish, lower Yellowstone, the trout love crayfish. And then the other kind of thing that is sort of a streamer, which is a terrestrial animal, is mice. Um, oh, yeah. They're big deals up in Alaska. Not so much around here in Montana, but the people that fish them and know what they're doing, 
they catch fish and some really nice fish, and that's kind of a, a streamer pattern. So you have other fish and bait fish, trout, crustaceans being crayfish, and mice. I'd throw them all kind of in a streamer bin, if you would. So when we think of streamers, we always think about fall, like we were when we were fishing with you and catching the browns, the big browns. How effective is streamer fishing, though, in the spring and the summer? Do you do much of that? I fish them all year round. For my son, Chris, they're the default fly. He'll fish them all the time, every time, over nymphs and dry flies. Um, I'm not quite as wedded to streamers as he is, but I do fish them all year round. And the fish eat them all the time. You know, you, we've talked about this before. You know, trout have a basic biological formula that has to be satisfied when they feed, and that is they have to ingest more uh, energy or calories than they expend, or they typically don't do it. Uh, they don't make the feeding action. And so when you're fishing streamers, it's generally a fair-sized piece of meat, right? It's a, a sirloin steak or a big burger or something. And so it'll satisfy the biological formula, if you would, for even the largest trout. So if you're trying to move big fish, um, the streamer's probably your best bet. I mean, yes, big trout are caught on size 22s, and that's quite an accomplishment, but there's probably more big trout caught in streamers than there are in dry flies. I mean, when you get right down to it. Yeah, and, and for the really big ones, um, I think that's about the only way you can move them. And I'm talking about really big, I'm talking about fish over five pounds, the double-digit fish, some of which we have in Montana. So those fish are largely carnivorous. Um, one of the stories that I, and one of the things I actually witnessed, I didn't catch this fish, but I had a guide once, and it wasn't a monstrous brown that he caught, but it was a nice one. It was a 22, 23-inch fish, and back in those days, this was a lot of years ago, actually, I don't even think he did kill that fish. It regurgitated a baby muskrat, is what that, so that's a pretty big piece of food. Holy um, cow! Yeah, so it was not a, not a full-grown muskrat, obviously, but it was a baby. And uh, this big brown trout had just re recently eaten that. And I think that gives you an example, I think, of how streamers work. So, so when, you, uh, when you think about, you know, rod size, obviously, uh, uh, you know, we have some listeners who are new to fly fishing. And if they're, they're thinking about streamers, what size rod, you know, length and weight do you think works? Well, there, it depends on the, on the creeks you're fishing and the size of flies that you're fishing. I mean, streamers don't necessarily have to be fished in really large sizes. Right now, there's a lot of, there's kind of a, almost a cult around a group that likes to fish these big, huge, uh, articulated streamers that are, you know, five, six inches long. And they'll, they're fun, and they'll produce some big fish, but you know... You can catch some really big fish on smaller streamers. When I say smaller streamers, like eights, even tens, but eights and sixes for sure. They don't all have to be six inches long. So having said all this, you can fish streamers on a lot of different rods. I think that they're generally a bigger fly and sometimes fish with a sinking tip line or with some additional weight either on the fly or on the leader. So to do that effectively you probably need a little heavier line weight. So yeah. you can fish streamers on a five weight, but if you're fishing a big articulated bunny fur fly on a, on a five weight, you're going to have some problems when that soaks up water, if it's got a big cone on it, and it gets that, that rod is really not built to throw that. Mm -hmm. So if, if that's the way you're going to approach it, I think 
really six is an absolute minimum. But I think if you're going to throw streamers, then throw the larger streamers, sink tips, throw tandem streamers if you're into that, or big articulated ones. I think you need to go to at least a seven, um, and maybe an eight. I have an eight that I like for throwing streamers. Some people fish them even bigger. If you're throwing a lot of those double bunny kind of flies, then I know people that fish with nines. The issue I have when you get that heavy is a rod is those rods are stiffer, right, for throwing that heavier line weight. And they sort of take the fun out, even an 18-inch fish on a nine weight, in bend the rod very much. I mean, it's, it's so you have to kind of strike a balance. Do I want to... I want a rod that can effectively throw the, the flies I'm going to fish, but I really don't want a rod that's going to overpower the trout I'm going to catch. Sure. Uh, so, and you're going to, an 18-inch fish is still a nice fish yeah. by anybody's measure, but it's not going to build it. It's not going to bend a nine weight very much. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, so what's the fun in that is, I guess, what I'd rather fish that um, down a line weight or two and get some fun out of it. Otherwise, you're just... You're hoping that you get the 24 or 5 inch fish, which makes that interesting. But those are not common. The 18, 19, 20s are going to be a lot more common. So for me, at least the 7, it used to be in the old days of fly fishing, the 7 weight was what was recommended to everybody, right? When you were getting started, it used to be 7 was what you recommended. And then it's gone down some now for. Sixes down to fives. I think there's probably more fives sold around here than almost anything. And that that's okay, but I, I think seven or eight is better. So uh, we since we recently fished with you, I, I was thinking as I as I watched you fish, how do you think about or how do you approach a stream for a day of streamer fishing? Like the day that we went out on the creek that we went out. How do you Right. You know, what goes through your mind? So that creek we went to, as you well know, and we fished it together several times, and I fished that thing hundreds of times. I mean, I know that water pretty much as well as I know any place that I fish, and I know what works there. So the, the techniques that I use there, I use on other smaller streams. I mean, that's a kind of a smaller stream fishery. So my approach to that one is I'm fishing the places that provide cover, which is typically, you know, depth in that stream, some hole that you can't see the bottom of. I kind of operate on the premise in those streams. If you can't see them, they can't see you. So I'm looking for water that has some cover to it, um, depth of water, maybe current speed or both. And I'll take an approach on that particular stream that includes at least a cross-stream presentation, some downstream. And in that particular stream, since it's got some rocks and some what I would call these slots below rocks, I actually, in that that particular stream, I will get above that slot, cast downstream, and retrieve it right back upstream through that yeah. slot. And as you well know, that works really well there. Yeah, really does. Uh, my, my technique is going to change, obviously, a lot if I'm going to a bigger river. Let's say the Yellowstone, that's, that slot fishing really doesn't exist over there as much. It's more bit runs and pools. Um, I fish that out of the boat quite a bit. Um, so that's casting pretty much perpendicular to the banks or just behind the boat or just above, depending on the speed of the current I'm casting into. Um, if it's really cold water and I'm trying to get the fly down some, I might cast a little more upstream. 
uh, use a sink tip or some extra weight, let that fly drop down some before I retrieve. Uh, if it's so by the way, deep bark, cold, cold temperatures, then I'm slow retrieving. Yeah, go ahead. So did you were you using sink tip on the day that we were fishing that small creek? No. Yeah, okay. Uh-uh. So I do, I do use a that creek, though, that's got some weight to it. So this, my standby out there, as I told you guys, I fish. I'm kind of a curmudgeon on this part of it. I, I have a flies that I know that work. And I don't during experiment a lot just because I know this is going to work. So my standby out there has always been, a, for a while now, a, a JJ's conehead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably a size 6 or a 4. I don't drilling fish really big ones out there. Um, but that's uh, that's what I use. Uh, that's what I use out there. But I don't fish them on a sink tip. I mean, there were a couple, there's some slots and holes in there where you could get over the top of your waders. But not very many. Right. Um, yeah. so you know, you most of it's going to be waist deep or shallower. And I don't think you need a tip for that. So if you have a choice, do you prefer to approach a stream like the smaller one that we fished from the top or bottom? Or do you generally go in at the middle of the run? Or how do you – I mean, it's obviously different because, you know, the river is different. The runs are different around each bend. Right. But how do you typically, in a, in a small creek like the one we fished, approach it? Oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know if there's a one-size-fits-all answer to that. I mean, that particular stream, again, spending so much time on it, I just I mean, I can drop circles around where I know those fish are going to be in those things. And, and on that particular stream, I cherry-pick it a lot because they're just in the same places. If flow levels are about the same, I can tell you where they're going to be. And so I, I will fish those spots and a lot of times it depends on on the stream but i'd say for the most part i'm fishing i like to wade upstream but my casting angle will be at least straight across or quartering down on almost all the streamer presentations i make i don't go upstream cast a whole bunch unless i'm trying to get the thing down first it's hard to it's hard to keep up with a straight upstream streamer cast. I mean, it really is. You can't hardly strip fast enough to get any action or to be in touch with that fly if you get a good straight. So I guess I go in across or quartering down, and I will generally move upstream when I'm fishing personally. Yeah, that makes sense. We're talking today with Dave Cumling about fly fishing with streamers. Before we continue our conversation, here's a brief word about our sponsor. Dr. Squatch Soap Company. Steve, I'm looking forward to Christmas this year. You know why? No, why? Because I finally have the perfect gift for all the people that I need to get gifts for, like the guys in my family. The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists? Mm, you mean that that New York Times bestseller? Oh, yeah, that was last year. No, that, that was, was last, so last year's, year. Yeah. No, it's the Dr. Squatch kits that they have. Dr. Squatch Men's Soap. You can get, they have a gift box. Yeah, it's really cool. In which you get shampoo and all the different types of soap and it allows people to sample it. So if you go to drsquatch.com right now and put in the two guys promo code, two guys, you'll get 20% off. I'd recommend it now and just buy like a hundred of them and, and give them to everyone. That's right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, we have some more questions for Dave Cumley. We're talking today about fly fishing with streamers. Uh, Dave, do you do anything unique with your retrieve? Uh, faster, slower? Do you jig it in, or 
what, what are kind of what's your your kind of go-to practice, and where might you vary that? Good question, because I think for a lot of people that aren't familiar with streamers, they have kind of a one style approach, you know, cast and strip, kind of uniform strips, sort of mimicking what you talked about earlier, trying to mimic the, the maps, right, that you're cranking in. But I think it's something you can do with a fly rod that's harder to do with a spin rod, but even good spin fishermen will do this. They vary their retrieves. So they'll speed them up, slow them down, let the fly come to a stop, all those kinds of variations in retrieve twitches, that sort of thing. It's way easier to do with a fly rod just yeah. because yeah. of how they're built. So I do change it up. It, it's, uh, it depends on the water I'm fishing, on water temperature. Definitely when the water's colder, you need to slow things down because we're dealing with cold-blooded animals that slow down when the water temperatures drop. So that that's a factor. But I do change the retrieve. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if you have the chance, at Tom Morgan Rodsmith's, I'm sure they still have it on their website, Tom Morgan wrote an uh, article that I really like, and he and I have talked about this a lot. You know, Tom's passed away now, but he's got an article on there, and he, it's the Morgan Twitcher. He's got a title for it, and where he describes this kind of twitch retrieve that he uses, and when he and I was talking about it one day and then I read the article, I came back and I said, you know what, that's the same thing I do. I mean, I firmly believe in that. That's a good reference. And um, it's on the Tom Morgan Rodsmith's website. I can't imagine that they took it off. You know, Tom passed away and some new guys own the company. But they're following still a lot of what Tom did. I'd be stunned if that article isn't still there. This is really perfect. The Twitch is something that I've seen you do. And... And I've never really understood it until you said it. And the twitch retrieve, or the why, maybe. Um, you're right. That the just the just stripping it in is is just only one way to do that. So yeah, if you're just only stripping, and that's all you're doing, you're missing out on some of the advantages of the fly rod because it's far more sensitive and far more enticing. You can't do those kinds of things anywhere nearly as well with a spin rod, where you have not much tip action in most of them, so you can do all kinds of things with a tr- with a twitch to make a. There to me is nothing more effective. The fish are that are kind of on the hunt, where you can stop a retrieve and have the fly drop and then pick it up right away again. And just that that escape mechanism, if that fly drops a little bit and then you start twitching, as soon as that fish thinks your the prey is escaping, that response that is that capture you know the escape response vicious no you're not getting away i'm gonna knock the heck out of you i'm gonna eat you and then they come hard and i think you can elicit that response easier with a fly rod than almost any any other time so it's something you got to commit to because you do a lot more casting you've got to be able to cast and shoot out more line and a lot of people aren't really good at that you know if you're retrieved like 10 or 12 feet of line or 15 feet of line, which is more than you're going to retrieve when you're dry flying and nymph fishing typically, then you got to get that all back out there. And it's far more tiring. I mean, it's streamer fishing, as you guys will know, you do streamers all day long. At my age now, if I streamer fish all day long, then I'm going to be at the Advil bottle at the end of the day. I guarantee you that. I just know that's that's what that's what's changed for me is I can't do that quite. I can still do it, but I'm going to pay for it. It's not a first-choice technique for a lot of people, except when they start to have some success with it. It becomes addicting. I swear, 
it's to me it's far more it's far bigger a kick to have a big brown trout hunt down a stream where I can see that fish coming for three or four feet and I know he's going to eat it. I mean, it's it's just it's going to happen. So, what color and sizes uh, of streamers do you prefer? Let's just say the creek we were fishing. You said like a six or an eight. Uh, the JJ Conehead. Uh, what about color? I'm kind of an earth tones guy, so the I like the browns, blacks, and olives. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite flies has yellow in it. JJ's. I really like that fly a lot. You know, it's got yellow marabou and yellow rubber legs, and that's yeah. not yellow is not necessarily an earth tone, but it is sort of a brown trout color. Yeah. Uh, it's, so I like that. In I like some old school flies that kind of fall in that, that don't get used much anymore. You hardly ever see them sold in a fly shop. I like, I still fish and I like light and dark spruce. Oh yeah. And one of my, one of my favorite patterns, and there's got a long story behind this, but it's kind of funny. I like Platte River specials and I, I've taken a Platte River and just added a cone to it and a little bit of crystal hair or something in the tail kind of jazzes it up a little bit, but those flies, while they're not popular, I'll bet you can't find find Platte Rivers sold in hardly any fly shops anymore. Wow. But that's a great streamer pattern and a great fall yeah. fly. All right. When we have more time, I'll tell you guys in person the story of how I got back on fishing those. I used to fish them, and then I kind of quit, and then I had an experience where I had really good fishing. And uh, I still I have a bunch of those in my box. So that color, the Platte River is going to have a brown and yellow one. Spruce flies, you know, the, the furnace-colored dark spruce and the badger-hackled light spruce kind of gets to those same purple brackets. So I guess I'm kind of pointing myself towards that that end of the spectrum. But I also fish a lot of all-black stuff. One of the one of my favorite patterns is a conehead black leech, either tied with rabbit or mar- all marabou. So um, anyway, I have a lot of them. That I like. And white, too, is another color that can work. You know, it's sort of a whitefish mm-hmm. color. So I have some white streamers that I like to fish, too. So I don't fish a lot of really what I would call Alaskan salmon, really bright reds, the kind of stuff you see sometimes in steelhead patterns. Right. A lot of different colors that will work, obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, maybe one final question. So... Uh, what's uh, what's maybe the biggest mistake that fly fishers make with streamers, or, or on the flip side, what what are some good techniques or, or best practices that you'd suggest? Biggest mistake that many fly fishers make with streamers is they don't fish them. I mean, it's not a popular technique when you talk to people about their fishing uh, or people who are just starting out. For example, they don't like to fish streamers. They're too much work. Yeah. There's all that casting, all that stripping. It's way easier to cast something out, mend the line, and get a good drift, which you can do with nymphs or dry flies. So I, when I used to teach a lot of fishing schools, there were a lot of people who didn't like the streamer section. They, you know, they said, well, I'm never really going to fish like that. Let's do this. And I said, well, you're at least going to learn the basics. Because you talked about the streamer fishing earlier. When streamer fishing is good, and we saw that on the stream that we shared. That streamer fishing can be really visual. It can be almost as visual as a dry fly because you see fish coming, you see the strike. Mm-hmm. And when you've got fish that are really on streamers where the takes are visual, 
it's to me it's more exciting than a dry fly tick when you when you there's nothing like having a big brown trout that's on the hunt that you it's coming after your streamer you see him i mean you're gonna see him a few feet before he gets there yeah that to me is if that doesn't raise your heart rate and blood pressure then i don't know what will but so when somebody has an experience where they get a day like that where the fish are really on streamers and the fish are hunting then it's it's as exciting as any type of fishing and close to, if not equal to, yeah, a dry fly tick. They're far more violent than dry fly ticks than ever thought of being. Well, the only thing that comes close to a dry fly is the way they take a hopper or a salmon fly. Yeah. Dave, yeah. this is great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this is so helpful, and we look forward to talking to you soon. You bet. I'm glad to do it. Ah, that was great stuff on streamers, wasn't it? I'm ready to get back out again and sling some more. <laughs> For sure. A couple big insights for me. One is not just doing the, you know, strip them back, but also the twitching. Yeah. I thought that was a really great insight. That was huge. That was huge. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment by David. He's a longtime listener, and he comments on our piece on our worst fly rod moments. <laughs> David says, oh, I have had plenty of heart-sinking moments when it comes to being stupid with my fly rods. One time I was trying to get out of a sudden thunderstorm. I ran to my truck, rod in hand, thought my rod was clear, but unfortunately, in my mad hurry to take cover, I slammed the rod with the door. <laughs> then he says, a few weeks ago, I was walking back to the truck while trying to take my fly off the tippet, a decision I now look back on and say, what the heck was I thinking? Well, my fly line had just enough slack in it to catch a rock and instantly broke the very tip of my pride and joy two-weight, one-piece bamboo rod. Oh, oh man. <laughs> then he says, thankfully, I have a close friend who was able to repair my precious bamboo, minus a half inch in length. Oh, oh man. We, my gosh. We feel your pain, David. Oh, feel I feel your pain. Your pain. Yeah. Oh, it, and you're like, why was I in such a hurry? Yeah. There's no need to be in such a hurry. I know it. Oh, I man, know God, it. what a great comment. Yeah, it really was. Well, that's going to do it for today. What have you learned about fly fishing with streamers? You can share your insights by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. What tips or suggestions do you have for slinging streamers? And thank you for referring our podcast to your friends and family and your TU chapter, Fly Fishing Club. We continue to grow our subscribers, and that's 100% because of you. Thank you so much. We also would love to hear your ideas for new episodes, so be sure to send those to us. And also, if you haven't yet purchased our book, we would love for you to do so. You can find it on Amazon, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. Christmas is coming. Christmas Valentine's is coming. Day is coming. Birthdays are coming. It's just a, a Tuesday is coming. I know it. There's, it's just you know, every day is a reason to buy that book. Great gift for every occasion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, hey, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.